Hello and welcome to the Blackout Podcast, where I get to talk to amazing people that do amazing things. And today I have them again. Wait, your thing has fucking read in the name. One of your, <laughs> <laughs> one of your handles Did you is just like, clue that in? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I, I have Megan Reed on the show today. Thank you so much for coming on. Hi. Well, thank you for having me. Well, so, <laughs> yeah. I, I, you, you do like music, you do modeling, and now you're starting this whole show um lots to break down let's start with music because that's kind of how i really knew about you that's my my roots i mean like i always always come back to music even Mm. when i run out of my millions of projects to do (laughs) everything at my like core is music Mm -hmm. how did that start for you um that's kind of like a long-winded it's a weird story because like none of my family's musical Mm -hmm. at all i have like distant family like like my great uncle once removed or something like that like like the distant distant family who's who are musicians who is musical just I think one person but for me it was I was like the quiet kid who just played guitar and then I just like I don't know I don't know how I picked it up it was just music came and found me um I'd always sang I'd always been writing I was you know being the quiet kid I would always be in the back like writing stories and writing poetry and whatnot since I was really really young Mm -hmm. um I hated being the center of attention unless I was singing I was just a very nervous kid I had really high anxiety like even I, I even had stage fright until I was like like well into my adult years and I had to like get over it and stuff but I hated being center of attention unless I was singing and when I was singing and making music and performing like even coming on here is like I had to like mellow out a little bit before I came out here you know <laughs> everybody knows what I do <laughs> um but usually when I'm like if I'm not performing um it's just like nerve-wracking because I get so into this zone when I'm making music whether it's playing guitar whether it's singing or whether it's performing in any aspect Mm -hmm. um I just get into like everything that's here just doesn't exist anymore Mm. yeah Mm. wow that's a that's an interesting way to look at it because like so so are you saying that when you sing because you're so into the music it's not like the anxiety goes away you just don't notice it kind of yeah it's kind of like that it's like i don't know it's it feels the physical feeling of it is like if somebody put a bubble around my head Mm. and you know how in like the peanuts show when you hear the parents talk it's like wah 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 when i'm making music and i'm in the studio or i'm on stage or anything like that like it feels like all of a sudden there's this force field and everything around me just sounds like wah 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 and i'm just focused on making music just focused on doing whatever i'm doing Mm. so um what kind of music did you grow up listening to um well i'm a I'm a lot of my friends or friends a lot of my family is very redneck so hard rock classic rock country mm. um and then I got into like a hip-hop phase because I had friends who were like very very like into like rap and like hood kind of stuff and then I got to high school and being like the quiet outcast kid I obviously became the emo kid so <laughs> I listened to metal which is like you know, I'm I'm going back to my roots now. I just joined a new metal band project, so that's another new thing that happened. Um, but I was just all over the map, and everything I listened to when I was a kid reflects what I listen to now because there's literally not a single thing that I'll be like, 
ew, like, I'm not one of those people that's ew country, ew jazz, ew this, ew that. There's, like, specific songs I might not like or might not enjoy, but I'll just change it. But there are country songs I like, there's jazz songs I like, there's R&B songs I like, there's hip-hop, there's, like, deathcore music I like, and then there's, like, you know, that, like, really, like, gangbanger kind of stuff <laughs> that I like, like, listen to, like, the old-school hip-hop of people rapping about lives that I will never live. <laughs> <laughs> but like I'm I'm a, I'm exactly that way. I think to me music is just music, man. Like, you know, it's nice, you like it or you don't like it. Mm-hmm. I'm like it's an emotion. Th- it's yeah, a th- there's this and I love Spotify because I mean, although sometimes it kind of like messes up, but sometimes you know, you get this Discover Weekly thing and then yeah. it just sends you random songs. When you when it gets it gets like a nice playlist going for you, it starts to look at like what you're listening to and it'll take a couple of those songs. Yeah. And it's funny because like lately I've been listening to everything from like her, which is like mellow R and B vibe. I love her so much. You know what? She performed on Saturday Night Live a couple of weeks ago. Oh, wicked. And I didn't even know her, and I'm like, I don't like it's. Now I, you I know should, her. Yeah, like I didn't know who she was when it, And then she came and performed. Like she can sing. Oh. Her instrument, like she's great. She oh, was playing. She can she's sing. like, she's really, really good. Yeah, and I, I love her music because I have a hard time figuring out like artists to follow and whatnot. And it's funny because she's younger than me, started her career like so young and whatnot. But like she's within similar like range kind of stuff so it gives me like a new course of like where to go with my music seeing somebody sing in like a lower register like Mm. that and and it's just she's wonderful yeah she's sweet man oh god um there's a song it's not well it's like it's like a dj song but she sings on it it's blown and that's the thing i was saying about spotify so like you know you kind of select songs you like but then every once in a while throw some like random weird song like holy what is that (laughs) so one of those songs i discover is by this guy called otis something but it's called resurrection blues and it's like really hardcore on training but it's one of the most beautiful songs i've heard in my life it's like it's so powerful it's so so when people like i mean that's some like I don't select genre, but it's about the music. So mm-hmm. I completely understand what you're saying. So so you know, you'd write poetry. At what time did you actually say, okay, I can write a song and like, you know, put music on it? Um my first song was probably I started doing like trying to like learn other songs. When I was ten I started playing guitar. Um and I learned to play guitar and perform guitar before I actually sang and played guitar. Like, I took a break from singing for a little bit. Um, And by the time I was 14, around 13, 14, I wrote this really embarrassing song that probably could have been, like, a Justin Bieber-type hit if I had, like, gone... If if, if I was, like... If my family was the kind of ones, like, threw me into the spotlight, like, oh, basically what I'm trying not to do with my daughter. (laughs) She's a huge performer. She loves it. Um, But if that was the route that I took like this is that's the kind of music that I would have been doing and it's so basically it was a song about being on the rebound I was watching all these teen dramas at the time (laughs) except it's basketball references (laughs) (laughs) so it's literally like like the idea of being on the rebound while dating but like now I'm on the rebound, waiting so I can shoot and score. Trying to find another guy so I don't think of you no more. It's like little 13-year-old me was like... Why didn't you record it? Because, um... But it was all your music, right? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, all my stuff. What did, oh, myself. you called it the rebound. Yeah. Like, was that a title? Yeah. Huh. 
okay. You know, you, like you can see it. I mean, like, you know, a good producer, like, hmm, money. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, it's like cool. And, you know, she's like that age demographic. And anyway, I did so a lot didn't... of writing, at, like, when I was that young. <laughs> like, a lot, a lot, a lot. Uh, and would it be in that same vein of song, like that same feel? Um, I went a very like folk pop kind of route. Um, mm. When I was slowly coming out of my emo phase, I went very like hipster, so I'd never shout never and like that like happy folky pop kind of stuff. So um, way way deep in the entrails of YouTube are videos of fourteen and fifteen year old me. Recording on an iPod Touch with my guitar, singing Coffee and Cigarettes by Never Shout Never. And that was actually how I got over my stage fright. It's like by doing those videos. Um, But it was just like very happy, poppy stuff. And then I started, I wrote uh, my own versions of them. So there's like, there's songs that are on the same kind of like folk pop kind of style. Mm -hmm. um, In the same, you know, vertical style, me on my guitar, iPhone, iPod Touch kind of videos. Is it on the same channel or... Um, I compiled the playlist. I can, I'll send you a play. I'll send you a link to the playlist. Yeah, I, think, I, I don't remember if I made it private or not. I think I did, but I went searching for all these. I searched all my weird, like <laughs> weird, like old YouTube names. There was like hypocrites, wherever that came from, and then your city, my town. Um, that one came off that like I grew up in Oakville, Ontario, so it was like to me it was a very town kind of feel, but it was a city because it was so big. So uh, your city, my town, kind of mm. thing. I don't know. I thought I was deep. <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of deep. Um, and, and also that comes from your poetry, doesn't it? Yeah. What I, kind of poetry would you write? Um, I like to use a lot of imagery. I like to use a lot of imagery and double entendres. Um, <laughs> so a lot of my... A lot of my poetry is like is the, the kind of style where it's like you think a sentence is going to end and then like it keeps going. It's I don't even know how to describe it because I don't show it to anybody. <laughs> Why not? I do so much already and I need to keep something for no, myself. You know what I learned? <laughs> uh, well, you know, I always try to learn something every day so I can't remember. But one of the things I learned was prolific, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with being prolific. Like, you know, I just believe, right, you know, if you want to try something, do it, put it out there. You're doing it for you, right? Yeah. You know, one person might like it, five million might hate it. It doesn't matter. You just do it and it's like, it's done. Well, like, what I, I want to write a book eventually. Yeah. Because well, I literally have a stack like this big are you gonna do? It's going to be in your handwriting or like, are you going to type it out? I don't, you know, I never thought of that, but I handwrite everything. Mm. Like all of my songs, all my poetry, even my notes, like for project notes for my work, mm-hmm. I will write everything. And I've got stacks on stacks of notes, notebooks, sketchbooks, everything. You should keep so, it all. Yeah. So that when you're like this big mega star and shit, you can like yeah. people auction it and stuff. I was almost thinking of making it under a pseudonym. So I'm not like, hey, everybody, look at me. I wrote a bunch of poetry and put it in a book. But like if I do it under a pseudonym and uh, it- y'all see a little book come out from a Halifax writer, it's all in handwriting it's probably gonna be me <laughs> 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 fyi <laughs> yeah yeah because like my handwriting sucks so i have to type same it. no <laughs> no mine just mine just sucks and i still no, write <laughs> no 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 we'll like, have to compare i swear like you know you know how doctors handwritings are yeah but like worse that's how my handwriting is it's, worse than a doctor yeah it's really bad you know what how bad it is like i'd write something and then i'd be like what the what was this and i'm like not sure what i write and like you know it's when you get all those ideas like you wake up at fucking four in the morning it's like oh my god this film is gonna change the world and then you write it and then you wake I mean, up usually at I'm seven still awake at four o'clock <laughs> <laughs> and then you look at it i'm like what the what did i write yeah. what a-? so so now i just type everything out 
Um, I have to write because like it's how I can read my messy writing because my I think my my issue is not in like illegible writing. It's more in the way that I write things because I'm so confusing. Like we're I'm not even fluent in my own first language, man. Like words just which is weird for a writer, right? Like mm. I would get 50s, 55 at most in English class. Like I was the worst, the worst for like any sort of English literature, any sort of classes like that. So sometimes I'll go back to notes if I'm like doing project notes and I'm like, what the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> so I started working ways of like structuring my handwriting mm. to, um, so like I, my, my writing's a really weird mix of like handwriting but then not handwriting in capitals and not capitals, like some things start here and there. But mm. I started writing as if like I'm using a voice, using an inflection. So I'll write different. <laughs> there's like different sizes for different intensities and like it'll be messier for like different types of thoughts. And I started using that in, in songwriting for the purpose of sight singing. So I didn't want to write everything out on a score. So if I already know how the melody goes, then I just for the timbre, I write different styles of writing so like you're mentioning all these musical terms did you like go to school for music or i went to a music focused high school so i didn't like go to like music school but i did have we had like a special music program so we i basically graduated high school with a music major yeah because like i'm mentioning all this i'm like the fuck is she talking about what's timber and all this timber is like the way that you say things so like the timber of my voice right now is just standard flat timber that's the timber yeah but like re yeah (laughs) um so you you like you you were kind of in your, you know how, it seemed like almost everything in your life led you to be making music. Do you think so? Yeah. I, I've tried to give it up so many times. It's literally when they say like, if you love something, let it go. And if it's meant to be, it'll come back to you. Mm-hmm. I have like, I mean, we've we've talked about before about other things I've been through in life. My life is kind of like, <laughs> and when I get to here, I get to the point where I'm just like, oh my God, like, you know, you ever hear there's a million variations of the song Teardrops on my guitar and let me tell you I've lived every version of those songs and like I've thrown my guitar across the room and literally in a super dramatic you know I'm, I'm an artist it's just slow happens. motion and shit okay <laughs> like just not smashing it yeah, but yeah, like yeah. like get away from me kind of thing and then I will literally have like a breakdown I'm like why did I just do that <laughs> and then I'll end up writing a song out of it <laughs> I have a last time last time I did that was probably about two years ago and I came out with I'd been writing a lot of like R&B hip hop and pop kind of stuff and then mm-hmm. I went back to my like folk pop roots and actually wrote a song for my daughter called Little Birdie that nice. one I haven't recorded yet I it was like half recorded and then some things happened with the tracks and well, I just want to like track. get it uh, perfect it's I had some messy producers who weren't willing to go back and like fix some certain things so it wasn't of a quality that I wanted to like release it and they were trying to push me to release it and I was like no (laughs) oh so how does that work like I don't know so I like I'm an artist I'm like I meet a producer and then I'm like hey let's make music because I like your style or whatever that's kind of how I before I would be like I mean usually you'd you'd find somebody who has beats or makes beats or mixes and masters and all that and then Mm -hmm. you'd be like okay what are your what are your costs and whatnot um before I'm I'm I, my whole job is based on like finding resources so I like to do a lot of skill sharing so it's like I'll feature on a track for you if you can like produce or mix and master a track for me or like you know you give me a track I'll feature on it and then um, I'll do some work for you behind the scenes mm-hmm. and now I've just had a lot of really interesting circumstances so instead of getting somebody else to record my music I'll just buy beat packs 
and then just like so like just a bunch of beats i just skipped over like three levels of people working with me so i buy a bunch of beats yeah i uh so but like do you not own those beats or is it like is it like uh exclusive to you it depends. So sometimes you can get ones that are like, I don't remember what the license type is, but it's basically you can use it to like work on writing a song or use it as like a freestyle track or like there's very limited, limited leases. That's what they are. Um, uh, but I, I got one beat pack that was like, it was on a really good sale and I honestly couldn't even believe it because I looked at all the licenses in the packages and everything was exclusive. And there was like 25 beats from this like really amazing producer in LA, mm. Layered Music. And I was looking at all the licenses and I think I got the beat pack for like, like 30 bucks and I was like these are gonna be shitty beats these are gonna be terrible beats and I looked and I've been writing I've been working my whole album on all of just these beats mm. whereas I've had other beats like Promised Land that track cost me I won't mention numbers but there's three of them <laughs> and it's not in the first it's not it's it's it was <laughs> well is that just the beat or just like the beat recording mixing that everything? was all of the all of the recording and stuff I do myself and mixing and mastering I outsource. So that was mm. just to purchase the beat. That was just to purchase it so that nobody else could use it. Well, the song sounds great. You know what? You know what? Like <laughs> it does sound great. It was Va- see, such a talent. Valley is a funny thing though, because like this, like there, there's there are things that people pay thousands of dollars and it's like what the fuck, right? But then there are things I'd pay a lot of money for and they're like. People are like, you're crazy. So I guess at the end of the day is what it means to you, right? I mean, for me, it's really hard to have that kind of discussion just because I don't, I don't like money. I don't understand. I, I, I think that, you know, things do have value, but I don't like the fact that we use money to replace in substitution of the level of value of things. I'm big on skill sharing. So before we started, I was talking about that Facebook group that I started. Mm -hmm. The whole point about that was, you know, we're artists, we're starving artist is like such a well-known quip that it's not even just like a ha-ha kind of stereotype. It's like, no, I'm, that's my career. I'm a starving artist. I'm, I'm lucky enough that I'm finally getting into a position where, you know, starving artist was the last chapter of my life. Um, But like, it's, it's just like I, I know the struggle. I know how hard it is to get out of that. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to create a space where creative professionals or individuals who are starting off in their career who mm-hmm. like like me couldn't I couldn't go to school. I didn't I don't have the brain or the focus to like go to school, get a good job, get a career, sit at a desk nine to five. Like I can't <laughs> do that. That's why I do so many fucking things. Because that's where my attention span lies. Yeah. But I wanted to create a space where people who were similar to me, who didn't want to just like live the normal expected lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And it's an expense. It's, it's expensive to do that. When you want to do things the way that you want, you're going to be spending a bit of extra money. Mm-hmm. So I'm big on skill sharing where it's like, what can I do for you that you can do for me? Can I learn from you? Can I offer you one of my services that I've, you know, put the work in to teach myself? And then you can offer one of your services that you've put the equivalent amount of work in. Yeah, we should talk so, after this because I want music. Like, I need a lot of music. Yeah, so we'll, we'll definitely talk after this. But that's like, that's whole, that's the whole that's the whole purpose of like what I like to do in my in my job right now. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I'm a digital media producer, but I'm also doing some grant resourcing consult consultations. Mm-hmm. So it's I'm helping people who've applied for grants find out how to make the most of their money. Mm. Because for me, it's not about the money. It's it's how can we do the most amount of quality for the least amount of money? Because cheap is cheap, and expensive is expensive. But if you can find the best quality for the best deal, then you know the money's not even a, the biggest part of it. It's just like it it adds another level of value to whatever you're purchasing. 
But, you know, at the end of the day, we are still living on a planet in a world where it's based on money. I did just start my own business and it's all it is based on money. I'm I'm very aware that in order to succeed in this life that money is a very important resource. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, if you can't acquire a resource by skill sharing or resource trading, then mm-hmm. you're going to have to have money. But that's just it. It's it's I don't see money as a level of inherent value. Mm-hmm. It's it's a replacement for a resource. Mm. It's a placeholder for a resource. Fair enough. So it's just like, here's some money, and then you'll come back to me when I have something that's of value to you, and that's how I'll get my money back. I don't know. It's something we trade. I mean, it used to be the trading to the barter system, right? Mm. Money was literally in place of the barter system. Yeah. So like, oh, if you fix my carriage wheel, I'll give you five loaves of bread, but I only have two ready for now, so here's a note that says I owe you three loaves of bread. <laughs> and that's how money started. So there's notes and then they became bills and then they became money so i don't know i see money as a weird thing a very weird thing i don't like it <laughs> at all but if you can't uh beat the system then you gotta join <laughs> <laughs> someone's gonna be like hey man you're making all this good music let's go make some money and like no i'm more of like if i make a big chunk of money like i don't talk about what i do as far as like charity stuff i don't really i'm not really big on that but mm-hmm. i i do a fair bit you know, I'm not, I'm just not going to mention what I do or how I do it because mm. that's like one other thing I like to keep to myself. But I do a fair bit, and anytime I make a bunch of money, I almost feel guilty about it. Um, Why? Like you put in the work, though, right? Childhood trauma. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was born and raised by one of those like the child support mothers, the always wanting more money mothers, the getting money from everybody else and everybody else's money is hers. I've had a job since I was ten. I've been making money since I was ten, and I don't have anything to show for it. And I was forced to work. I wasn't like no, I wasn't allowed to not have a job. So for me, it was like I was literally a money making machine for the purpose of. Uh, the maternal well figure to have more money and yeah. so for me it's just like i have a detachment to it because it's uh, just like it was never mine it wasn't of something something of value that i could hold on to to like save up for the future now i'm learning a lot of lessons of how valuable it can be now and how to like move things around and save for it but uh i had to i've always i grew up looking at it in a different way how does that influence you know your being a mom now oh it's been it's wild mm. um it was the scariest thing ever because I, th- I mentioned before that like when I was when I found out I was pregnant, I was basically on my deathbed. I like literally was like, your lung collapsed, your kidney's failing. Oh, and you're six months pregnant. It was like it was like that within the span of like a few hours. Mm-hmm. And then so I actually had started talking to my mom again for the first time in like probably about four or five years at that point. But she's she's just not all there. She grew. She was way worse off than I was like. Her, her father was, like, incredibly physically abusive to her. Mm-hmm. way And she was to me, but, like, he was way worse to her. That's, you know, no excuse to be a terrible parent. But, like, it was just a matter of, like, I couldn't trust any of her advice. And so for me as a mom, it was more like any time that I felt... Um, any time a type of way that I didn't like I don't want my daughter feeling that way so Mm. like I grew up with a lot of body dysmorphia issues and like you know not not accepting myself for who I am so after Bailey existed it's just more like I can't show her that because you know I I ended up that way because my mother projected those feelings onto me Mm. so like why would I do the same knowing that that made me feel like crap? So like my, I went to see my daughter last weekend and she was looking in the mirror saying, I'm a winner, I'm a winner, I'm a winner. I try not to, I always tell her she's beautiful, but I try not to as much because it's more like, 
you know, I try to say you're like, you're a boss. <laughs> I got her to say, I'm a boss, babe, after I'm a winner. Her aunt taught her I'm a winner, but I added, I'm a boss. So she's a winner and she's a boss and she's going to be confident. And like, I can't, the whole motherhood thing is like, I can't let the way that my mother was run how I'm going to be a mother. I can just be the best mother that I think I should be. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, do whatever I can to make my daughter this like powerful creature. <laughs> so you said you don't, you know, mention beautiful, but you're a model also. And like, let's just be honest. Um, like looks counts when mm-hmm. you model. Yes. So um, how did you get into modeling and how do you find it? So I got into modeling uh, a couple years ago. I'm with Solly Productions and bless Solly. She is a wonderful force to be reckoned with. She mm-hmm. is like an idol f- for modeling, especially for somebody who's like, that was not one of my directions is to go into modeling. My great grandmother always said that I could be a model, but I was like, you know, certain image issues. I was like, no, 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 no. And one day I was down at, uh, I was doing some work with Youth Art Connection. They were doing like one of their meetups, their Wednesday meetups, the hub. And Soli was there doing a runway workshop. And I had something going on where I had to leave abruptly. And that's like one of those meetups where you don't really, you just, you say goodbye to everybody before you like, hey, sorry, I have to pop out guys. Like, nice to see everybody. I didn't do that. I got up and I left. And About a week later, I saw her at my work. So I I was a server at a burger restaurant. And she's like, she's like this tall, skinny little thing just munching. She loves burgers. It's it's hilarious for like such a small human. She loves food and it's so (laughs) endearing. And she was there, you know, just eating the burgers. And I was like, saw her and I was like, I am so sorry I had to leave. I just want you to know that, like, I loved what you were saying. And I'm, I apologize that I have to leave so abruptly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, like, I'm actually, it's kind of nice that you stopped in so I could say that. Like, I didn't mean to leave. But uh, I'm sure the rest of what you had to say was great. And she's like, actually, I want to talk to you about that. And I was like, oh, shit, here we go. <laughs> um, at first, she, th- she thought I was offended because she was talking about she's very diverse. Her whole modeling industry is like her whole crowd is everything from younger models to older models. She's got really, you know, she's got like super thin petite models to like plus size models. She's got um, androgynous folks. She's got folks all over like a representation. I don't even want to like list or stereotype or anything like that. The representation is so real and and she's very real with us in the way that where she's like the modeling industry is not like this. Mm. She's like, you guys have to know that some of you will face a lot of rejection and backlash if you do want to further your career beyond this. Mm. Um, She's like, but but I will be there behind you every step of the way to like, you know, help you make room for for those people in the industry. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was talking to her about it. She thought I was offended because she was talking about tall, skinny, blonde models. And for me... To know that she thought that I fell in that group, tall, skinny, blonde model, like I'm like the typical look for a model was like, wait a minute, like, I, don't, I don't see myself like that. Yeah. You see me as that? And that was a big changing point for like, especially how I felt about myself. Cause I'm like a lot after then, like I reached out to some of my friends. I was like, do you see me as this? And they're like, yeah, Megan, you look like a model. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and then I looked in the mirror and I was like, I'm pretty. <laughs> it was, But, you know, like I never really it got to a point where in order to get away from my insecurities, I just didn't focus. You know, I did the makeup the way I liked. I did my hair the way I liked. I dressed the way I liked. It wasn't mm-hmm. a matter of like, I'm going to do this because other people are going to see it. It's just I started doing what I liked. And that made me more like in and out more beautiful than. I don't know. I don't think there's a picture of beauty. I don't think there's like. I think everybody's beautiful in their own way. I'll go like walk down the street, see people and be like, oh my God, people are so beautiful. 
Um, but for modeling, um, it was just, there's just so much representation in Soli's group mm -hmm. and it's just really nice. And her conversation went on to like, I want you as part of my, part of my crew. And I was like, did I just get headhunted by a modeling agent? Like, is that what happened? And I guess that happened. <laughs> and I've done a couple things since then. I did a runway show that I ended up performing at and, um, I did. Oh yeah, was that that one? The Mercantile Social. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it was. There. I had no idea what I was doing as far as walking. I was supposed to go this way and that way and do this thing, but I wasn't like with one of the designers. And then one of the designers asked if I wanted to walk, and then they gave me an outfit to change into, but it didn't fit. And then they got mad, and I was like, "It doesn't fit." <laughs> it <was> like <laughs> it was just a back and forth. And then I was in my like all blacks, and then so I just kind of awkwardly tried to follow the line and tried to just look as normal and model-esque as possible and do it <laughs> and I was like wow I'm a print model not a runway model like I should definitely not be on the runway and then after I was able to go perform and I was felt so much more comfortable I was like this is where I'm supposed to be because you're singing and stuff yeah, yeah. Um, you have this new venture <laughs> let's talk about it a new venture? Yeah, the whole Which digital, <laughs> digital producing. Digital media production. Yeah, yeah that was kind of wild. Um, so I have been doing some like, I've always worked around like cameras and with media stuff, a little behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. I have uh, a film mentor, Fateh Ahmed, um, who he like does a bunch of work for CBC and stuff. And he's... Uh, he's always included me as like PA and, and coaching behind the scenes. So I've gone onto sets with him and coached people on how to like look comfortable in front of the camera, which is ironic because I'm a big bag of anxious beans. And so I'm able to tell other people how to do it, but you know, controlling it myself is like, Phew, okay, mm -hmm. I'm here. Um, so getting into the scene that way. Um, and then my dad's a photographer for the military. So like, I've always been around cameras and stuff and it just kind of like, all pieced together. I was, uh, while I was studying music in school, I was also studying videography. And I ended up doing a music video at the NSCC Film Studies class when I was in a band when I first moved here. But I found out that everything that they learned in their first year is like what I learned in high school. So I was like, I was like, oh, maybe I can expand on this because I really loved doing that in high school. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I thought that it was like, I didn't realize how different Ontario and Nova Scotia was because when I came out of school, I was like, if that's this, like, it's only going to get harder from here. Mm -hmm. No, turns out they were just teaching us in high school what they teach people in college. So I was like, <laughs> okay. And I loved it. I got a good grasp for it. So I started offering to do like different videography stuff and media stuff for the Youth Art Connection mm -hmm. um, over the course of the last two years. And I ended up getting a grant through the Rising Youth Program to do a documentary on relating arts and community because I'm really big on art bringing community together. Um, art galleries, people go to look at art. There's a million people. They're all looking at the same piece, so it's bringing people together. Uh, culture itself is the is the existence of art within a community. You know, different mm -hmm. cultures represent by different styles of arts. Mm -hmm. um, we all go to shows together. That is a community. Most people, most people's friends group are like the groups of people you would go see a live concert with. I'm a big advocate for using art to bring together community. So I ended up doing that, and then I did more like photography and like short stints of video here and there for the Youth Art Connection. And all of a sudden during the summer, he asked me if I wanted to do the National Accessibility Week, do some like reporting, watch some online conferences, talking about different things relating to disability, and then editing my own little vlog style clip after and then sending it off. And that was really fun. So I was super nervous the entire time. I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> um, but I continued 
Anyways, I did it and it was super fun. And National Accessibility Week was run by Reachability, who they really enjoyed all of the people who were reporting. Mm -hmm. So they brought me back for another thing. They did an online course called Digital Matters, which is what the showcase is at the end of this week here. Mm -hmm. And they chose, there was a bunch of us that applied and seven of us got chosen as like artists with disabilities. I I deal with um, complex post-traumatic stress disorder. And so I was one of the seven people and they taught us how to like do our own thing with business. And one of the things with PTSD is I have memory lapses all the time. People think it's because I smoke so much weed and I'm like, I'm like, that's my excuse. <laughs> At least if I don't want to, if I don't feel like explaining that I've got, you know, like trauma brain, I'm just weed, like, yeah. sorry, man, I just smoked a lot of weed. Mm. Um, I don't remember what my application was. <laughs> so when I submitted my project, like refinement, they were like, oh, this isn't what you put on your application. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I just decided to pivot. You know, I'm going in a different direction. And I had no idea what I was doing. But it looks super cool now, and I'm launching my first ever YouTube <laughs> series now. So, so what is the series going to be about? Um, it's called Alternate Regality. It's, uh, it's about, I want to touch on the inner side of creative professionals. So not, I want, my first episode is with Jaden Austin. He's a young rapper. Um, but we didn't, we talked a little bit about music he's releasing, but not really. It's just more of like what inspired him to get there, what built his foundation of his music career. Mm-hmm. Um, it shows like the way people think. I want to get people talking about their like feelings and their emotions because everything's so static these days. And I, I'm a very emotional person. I'm, I'm a feeler. And to some people, they're just like uncomfortable with that. But I feel like we're moving into a time where it's more important for us to be able to feel, for us Mm -hmm. to be able to express our emotions. Because what happens when you can't express your emotions is you end up with very angry people. Mm -hmm. And I'm not down with that. So I wanted to start a um, project where I get people talking about their emotions, not in like a therapist-client kind of way, but more in like we're having a casual conversation and it's totally okay for you to open up to me right now. Mm-hmm. Like that kind of thing. Very similar to what we're doing here. Yeah, very, very similar. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll cross platforms one day. I'll have you on my show. <laughs> Bruh, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, reach out. Um, okay, <laughs> so so so, um, what is the, I guess, like, you you have this show. Huh, I, I'm going to get this title wrong, so correct me before I say it. What's the show called again? Alternate regality. So like, oh, reality, regality. Yeah. So the idea is, you know, you hear people act like musicians or artists in general. I like a form of royalty. You ever seen somebody fangirl or fanboy or just be a stand towards somebody and they're just like cannot even handle being in the same room as them? Mm. I've seen people do that where I've practiced that because I'm in the industry. So I've been... You know, I've bumped elbows with some, like, people who me 10 years ago would have been like, <gasps> and then now I'm just like, okay, you're my peer. We're in the same career together, and mm-hmm. you're just somebody I can look up to and take advice from. Mm-hmm. And that took did take practice, but the fact that I was one of those people and the fact that there are people to this day who are like, oh, my God, I can't stand even being within five feet of this person. Like, it's like they're treating them like they don't they're not even human. Like they're some kind of like next level royalty, which is where the the regality comes from. And the alternate regality is like it's the weird, weird, weird like world of music, the weird, weird world of art. So alternate reality. So it's like here's the different lifestyles of the people that you think are royalty. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's not to say people necessarily inherently think of them as royalty, but the the love, the level of love and the level of hate is like the same 
you know, when we're following the royal family or we're following celebrities or we're mm. following people like that, even if it's local, homegrown, hometown heroes, people still treat them like, like they're otherworldly. I've had people come up to me and they're like, oh my God, you're Megan Reed. And then they're just like, oh, I just... <laughs> I'm like, I'm not even famous, bro. I'm like... I'm like, I just, I quit my job at a coffee shop a month ago. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> just chill. Chill. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you do music, you do modeling, you're working on this show, you have Bridge happening. Um, uh, and then you did all this, even though you're dealing with a lot of things, you know, like with your mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, say someone is watching, listening out there. What would you want that person to know? Persist. Just persist. Resources are going to be your best friend. Find ways to distract yourself. I've, you know, CPTSD is like, I've, I've like one of the higher forms of it. So I used to deal with like flashbacks happening at any point or like my triggers wouldn't be like, oh, you see this thing that's very similar to the environment you were in. Like, it's not those kind of triggers. It's like I could see a painting that was similar to a painting that was in the room of, you know, one of the situations I was in. Um, I'll call it the event because it was like a six month long thing of turmoil. But it was I had such sensitive triggers that I had to figure out how to get around that. So when I'm talking about emotions and stuff, a lot of people treated me like they didn't realize that there was something actually inherently wrong with my brain. Mm -hmm. They just treated me like I was being emotional or like a drama queen or like this and that. And I'm like, no, guys, I'm like suffering from self-induced brain damage here. Mm -hmm. Like that's what PTSD is. And so anybody who's suffering from similar things where they're just like, you know, if somebody says get over it, you don't have to get over it. You don't have to squish it deep down inside. You just have to persist. And that's the only thing. And however you can do that, um, one of the best pieces of advice I saw on like a Facebook meme or whatever, it was like, it was like, you know, if you're having a hard time getting out of bed to eat because you are thinking of the effort, you know, you're putting into making a meal, you don't have to go make a meal. I had like, you know, four different jars of snack stuff in a container last night because I did not feel like making dinner. And they're like, if you want to make a turkey sandwich, eat the bread, eat the turkey, and then like throw some mustard in your mouth after if you feel like it. As long as you get it done, just persist. Do the most that you can, but don't exert yourself. Yeah. And, you know, like for me, just and, and be honest with yourself. That's the biggest thing. You know, the best way that I can get everything done that I'm doing. I've had people say like, you do too much, you do too much. But I've never felt like I do too much. I just, I'm honest with people and if I'm like, if I need an extension with a client for a couple days or if I like, you know, I'm having a bad day then I'm honest with people. I'm like, oh, sorry, I'm taking the day off today. I just have something else to deal with or like, um, sorry, I just need about two more days. Um, if you say I'm dealing with something, nobody asks questions. <laughs> so Because then they'll say, what are you dealing with? And then you can just like make up this like really gory, gruesome story. So sorry, I stubbed my toe and my toenail's falling off. <laughs> they don't need to realize that I just haven't been able to get out of bed and haven't showered in two days. <laughs> like mm. they just, you, you say I'm dealing with something. Yeah. Um, but the only thing about that is you can't use that as an excuse every time. You have to deliver afterwards. So once you're okay again and you can feel that energy coming back, then you got to punch twice as hard. Mm. Because when you deal with a mental illness, we're always punching twice as hard. But if we continue to do that, Mm. that makes us stronger than anybody else. Mm -hmm. If you got somebody punching at a punching bag every day for like years and years and years straight, Mm. their arms are going to be beefed up so many stronger (laughs) than everybody else. So, yeah, anybody dealing with a mental illness, just persist. Just just do. (laughs) 
Okay, wow, thank you so much for coming, but I'm not going to let you go without doing the thing you love, which mm. is sing. Uh, so I'm just going to clear up all this thing and then you'll do your song. Thank you so much, Megan, for coming thank on you. the show. I really appreciate and it. And yeah, we'll talk about alternate reality for sure. Yeah, definitely. Tune in to the uh, film festival at the end of the week. Sure thing. <laughs> this is Megan Reed with Promise Land.
Cause love is a two-way street 